Bonjour et bienvenue dans le podcast Downloadable Concept. Voici dans le langage de l'amour. Je branch. I don't speak French. Court et poilly et toi, Fox Lee. And I apologize to anyone who does. <laughs> et je ne parle pas français, je suis Talon Lee. Okay, I was actually trying, I, I thought you were trying for Italian, that's how poorly you were pronouncing it. <laughs> much google translate <laughs> yes because it is february and valentine's day is this month it is the month of love so i sp speak in the language of love which years of colonial english oppression assures me is french for some reason <laughs> uh i don't i don't know if any of my french if our any of our french speaking friends can listen to this now oh oh it's gonna be great uh like i i, I can only imagine just how bad that was and this is why machines can't do translation, kids. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it was Google's fault. <laughs> oh, Google <laughs> had a hand in it. You all know I did a year of French, right? No, I thought you did a year of Italian. No, I did like four years of Italian. That was the one I actually liked. How do you have that many years of anything like a language subject at school? Because there's three of them. Do. <laughs> Because it's an Australian public school, and at a certain point they went, shit, there's people from everywhere in this country. Everyone should try out a second language in school. Yeah, well, I bet you didn't do any witch hunting classes. Sure didn't. Sadly, that is probably not as awesome as it sounds. It's really not. <laughs> Talon did a loot class, too. It was the language of Puritanism. I, I, I actually did at one point read the Malleus Maleficarum, which, for a book called The Hammer of God, is actually really boring. <laughs> Isn't that a Warhammer that. source book? Look, Warhammer is... Yes. <laughs> Warhammer is, like... Imagine imagine Warhammer sitting there with its hand on a giant dial that reads fascism, turning it up and down slowly <laughs> to try and hone in on where the Malleus Maleficarum sits. <laughs> I'm sorry, I Look, couldn't get the, past the idea when of Warhammer, Warhammer turning down the fascism dial. I would imagine it would... So, uh, I was thinking it was actually turning up the, the fascism dial to get towards that. <laughs> well, you know... Which would be impressive for Warhammer. <laughs> well, I mean, it's actually kind of hard to, to nail down where fascism resides when you're already dealing with a book that wholeheartedly believes in the divine right of kings. Like, <laughs> that's like... That's not the kind of thing fascism looks at and goes, Wow. You should try that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd own. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get me some of that. <laughs> So, yes, it's been a bit of a month, uh, but we have returned. We have we are on the airwaves once again, coming to you live, and by live I mean definitely not actually live, across the internet, into your <laughs> podcasting device and RSS feeds. Hello, the listener. We missed you and we love you. Hello, the listener. Things are no longer falling apart everywhere. Hooray! Which is good. <laughs> that That is always good. And in the meantime... We've had a chance to play some video games. Dear God, games I can't remember the last video game I talked about on this podcast. I do know that since the last time we recorded a podcast, you had one night where you stayed up way too late playing irresponsible Mobage. Hush, that never happened. <laughs> I'm just trying to get Faye. She's adorable. M Mobage? What's, so what's a, what's a Mobage? Mobage! What, what's that? That, that's mobile games. 
but pronounced in a Japanese way because that somehow distinguishes them from other less gacha mobile games. Oh, there's a difference. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that technically is. It's it's kind of like anime. See when you when you said when it started with I, I thought you meant MOBA. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know it's it's uh, slightly ambiguous like that, isn't it? <laughs> Learning that Mobage and MOBA have nothing to do with each other was not a helpful moment for online games discourse, and that neither term is actually helpful for describing the type of game they are was also part of it. It just continues our long-standing oh, video game tradition. I think I think MOBA is a pretty accurate description of how MOBAs play. <laughs> is that, what is it, uh, onomatopoeia, is that MOBA? It's multiplayer online battle arena. Yeah, the, that's what they are. Oh, the, you were just being sincere. Yeah, okay. I agree. The problem is when you say that, like, Quake 3 is, is like, a, a, I, I understand the, the drawback of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not wrong, but there is a part of my brain that goes, but hang on. Anyway. I'm a little snotted at people telling me that Overwatch doesn't count. Oh dear. Yes. Overwatch is definitely can, a video I, game. I can tell you why, why it doesn't count as a MOBA. Why doesn't it count? Because you can switch characters mid-game. Yeah, that's a good point. How is that? Like, I mean... Because that's not, that's not a thing you do in a MOBA. That's that's not multiplayer online battle or arena? I just... That's that's not a thing you do in a MOBA. I don't know. Like, just, just, just bear <laughs> like, with us I get why it's not like other ones. I just don't know why that excludes it from the genre. It's almost like genre well, the same reason why Quake 3 is... I, I, uh, and speci- especially should in this... talk about that and maybe analyze it. <laughs> like I do in my but series, none of us making fun. But but we have three people here who I don't think play MOBAs. So I played a I MOBA. Certainly do not. I I actually have played MOBAs. Okay, you're the expert then. Uh, so okay, um, Talon. Sorry, th- yeah. this is important. I'm just going to interrupt you first. <laughs> that, have that's you my life. Basically, played <laughs> MOBAs, or do you play MOBAs? Uh, I. <laughs> So the natural progression of any MOBA experience is getting to the point where you realize you're wasting your life and stop playing it. <laughs> so I'm going to take that as played. So I've gotten to the end game in three MOBAs now. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, how long was the campaign, let's say? Um, I actually played Heroes of the Storm for about six months. Oh, that's right. You did play that. Yeah. Oh, that and- was a MOBA. Yeah, Heroes of the Storm. Forgot that moment, existed. Yeah. And, and like, forgot that existed. Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> Heroes of the Storm suffered more for being Blizzard than for being a MOBA, and that's just because the, the very nat- Well, I, I don't even want to sound like I'm talking smack about it because this is no, very that's much fine. like that's a, on um, brand for Blizzard. Well, also, like, there is a there's a very strong push in video game talking for us to for generally there be this sort of like good bad polarization, and I. I very much want to make clear, I don't think Blizzard do any of the things they're doing wrong. I just don't like them. So, Heroes of the Storm is... I, I think I've used the icing and cake metaphor. No, polish. Uh, polish metaphor in the past about this. Like, how Blizzard just polish everything so much. Like, the loot box animation for Overwatch is some of the most heavily produced six seconds you'll ever see in a video game. Uh, Heroes of the Storm is super polished. It has a really excellent user experience. It has a really fantastic level 
of attention to detail in all the various bits and pieces. Like, enemy mobs on maps have slightly different outfits, and it's not as simple as like, oh, we're going to procedurally generate a blue bit of clothing on this one and a red bit of clothing on this one. It's like they're very small bits of the model are different, and it's all so expertly crafted, but I just don't like any of what it's actually doing. And so Heroes of the Storm was pretty easy to get out of. And that's... <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was... I was the end of that. I, I was just genuinely worried, like, I was like, am I just taking over the conversation now? But while I'm taking over the conversation, one thing I will say that, uh... Did that... Discord automatically mute the other people in the conversation? <laughs> that was actually my fear. I'm like, oh god, did something crash? I'm not used to these two being that quiet. <laughs> Believe it or not, we were actually listening to what you were saying. <laughs> I think you're always listening. You're very attentive and good friends. Um, you're wrong. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> uh, going, going with our theme of foreign languages today, that was nerd for I got nothing. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say is that if you are the kind of player who likes playing something aggressively femme in response to players going, uh, the thing, uh, <laughs> Overwatch's diva in in Heroes of the Storm is apparently really good at that and has a really good taunt for annoying crap people. So just use that information as you will. <laughs> I still think it's very silly that that's a game where you can put um the where where um the diva mech the bunny thing can jump on a horse, but whatever. Well, how else is supposed to get around? Yeah, exactly. I have a question. Uh, is the plot, well, I say plot, is, is the excuse for a cross-franchise battle arena anything other than Vortex has dragged in characters from many franchises, and now we're gonna pretend they were all part of one multiverse? Uh, it is, in fact, explicitly that. Yeah, okay. I was just checking, like, one day someone's gonna come (laughs) up with a different idea, but this is not that day. Someone did, his name was, his name was Jack Kirby. And he was awesome. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, am I getting an excuse to talk about Jack Kirby and the Nazis on two podcasts? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, this has been our divert. That was MOBA talk. Moving on to anything we already normally do. <laughs> Moving on to MOBA gay talk. No, not really. <laughs> MOBA gay? I like MOBAs, I but Fire everyone in them is gay now. Still exists. Isn't that just, isn't that just Overwatch? <laughs> Fox? Oh, we're not really gonna have MOBA gay talk because what am I gonna say except, hey, Fire Emblem Heroes still exists and gacha mechanics are still shit garbage. <laughs> and, Pretty much. Uh, why am I still playing it? Uh, characters are cute. I'm Fox. I have a problem. <laughs> I'm not putting money into it though. Cause you gotta draw the line somewhere. And five dollars per gacha is a long way past Ouch. my line. Ouch! Yeah, the the summoning currency is like one dollar each wow. more or less. Oh! And unless you buy twenty, oh. well, unless you spend oh. twenty at once, you always pay five for a summon. I so have, it's like, I have, nope, I'm not doing that ever. I have I have bought into like some of the worst um, cute anime summoning gacha <laughs> games <laughs> that There's this planet has ever. This. That everyone has, as anyone has ever seen, and even they're like, okay, you can get a decent, you can get like uh, a ten plus one summon for like two bucks. <laughs> yeah, it it's pretty fierce. 
They they so they have staved off my wrath by uh just like they give them out fairly freely now. Fun uh fun little fact though about that hashtag, the the hashtag YJEB. Um <laughs> one of the games that I played it at most often, uh which was previously called like Magic School Lucid or something like that. I think now called Sid Story. I don't know why it changed. But um branding. One of the artists for it is now the person who's making who's making um Princess Pixel Blitz. Oh, hey, cool. I helped promote that kid. Yes, well it's uh, he is the same person who did some of the art for, including, including the Emma Goldman art. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I remember <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> she sure looks like a furious socialist, alright. <laughs> so, uh, what about the Jeb? Has Jeb been playing yeah. video games? What even are I've video games? I've played two. I have played two video games in the past month. <laughs> Exactly two. And I know what one of them is. <laughs> no, three. I mean, three, actually, because I did for a few days play Celeste, which is... Celeste of meat, is Meat Boy if it wasn't gross. Mmm. Oh, and if you want to play promising. Meat Boy, um, the, uh, I have a few complaints about Celeste, but they're minor. Like, some, I don't think the control is as tight as it should be for that kind of game. But the reason why you want Celeste is for the incredible soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the soundtrack was... for Celeste is amazing. It's made by Lena Rain. That's right. Uh, who is at 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 Curane on Twitter? Who K U R A I N E? Who in a moment of uh, uh, cross podcast almost made the um, made the uh, um, stinger music for From the Rooftops? Wow! Yeah. Oh, that not so, that yeah. I want to make your is... current stinger music sound bad, but that would have been a good guess. Um, I, pl- I did play a bit of Celeste, uh, uh, but um, mainly I've been playing two games, uh, two big releases that came out at the end of January. Um, one is Monster Hunter World, just like everyone else. Literally everyone is playing Monster Hunter World, even those who aren't. <laughs> yeah, literally um, everyone. <laughs> it's a game that lets me uh, use the, the, the proper tactic of fighting giant dinosaurs, which is uh, stand in front of its face... And swing my hammer until one of us falls over. <laughs> this show has a long-standing history it- of supporting giant fuck-off hammers. Damn. <laughs> my character's hammer is bigger than she is. Nice. It's great. It also it also makes explosions happen sometimes. Again, uh, nice. Why are you doing this to me, Jeb? I can't get Monster Hunter World. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> Wait, shit, we've, we've got a PS4 now, don't we? It's also coming out on yeah. PC in the fall, I think. Ooh. And on the Switch, which is um, anyway, yeah, it didn't mean to stop you there, Jeb. Please continue. No, I was just saying, uh, I, I can't really say much about Monster Hunter. It's basically, if you know what Monster Hunter is, it's, it's that. If you don't know what Monster Hunter is, uh, it's a game about hunting monsters. <laughs> and then you you take the bits of the monsters, and you make weapons and armor out of the monster bits. You, you see where the loop here is. You hunt and you you make. And then you hunt and then you make and then you hunt and you make and do. there's a story, but so far and like I'm like all I think I'm like four boss uh, four hunts away from the end and the story's ass, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, the characters are the characters are, are just the characters are nice. Like I, I I don't think they're they're particularly deep characters or anything like that. They're not they're not greatly written, but they're just nice. I like them. They have personality. That's all I've ever really wanted from That's characters. That's all I want. Like the internet, the the Twitter Twitter is just crazy about uh, Musk Meow Killer Chef, which is uh, a palico, which is a cat friend who uh, 
Uh, he's the cook, and uh, he flexes a lot, and he talks about gains. Uh, he doesn't do much actual cooking until the until he reaches the last level of cooking, in which case he finally cuts a steak. <laughs> but but he flexes a lot. <laughs> and he's a cat. And he's a cat because of course. Um, and the other game, the one I almost want to talk about is Dissidia. Ah yes. Oh, PS4 they... port of the arcade game. Oh, I did not even it's... know it was an arcade game. Yes, it's a. First is it a game to actually be on a console as opposed to a handheld, which is nice because uh, having having better controls is is handy for the. I really don't know if anyone is going to know what this means, but do you remember Virtual On? No, oh, not in a meaningful no. way. <laughs> I mean, I I know All of right. it, but I, I I never engaged with it. <laughs> not to be that That's... guy on the podcast about video games, but what? <laughs> Uh, Virtual On is a, is a 3D, like, arena brawler, um, that has people zipping around and- I will, and must, do- take your word for it. <laughs> well, okay, fine. Dissidia is an, is a 3D arena brawler, where, uh, you have your choice of fi- various Final Fantasy ca- characters, and they have been summoned to an alternate dimension where their, their universes are united, uh, to fight. It's basically Final Fantasy Valhalla, and it's awesome. <laughs> Like the, the the whole the the basic plot structure is um this 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 world exists uh it feeds off the energy created when warriors fight so we brought you here to fight go fight <laughs> that's not they quite a sh- dimensional portal don't oh there's still dimensional there portals a dimensional like portal. <laughs> there's there are very there are many dimensional portals that you have to go that that <laughs> like in story mode you go through to get to for example this part of the world. Happens to be modeled after Alexandria from Final Fantasy IX because it's made from Zidane and Kuja's memories. And right, surprisingly right. enough, surprisingly enough, that's where you fight Alexander. So this is this is very much a uh, like I you know it's not really saying anything meaningful to say this about a Dissidia game, but this is really one of those games that's really for the Final Fantasy fans. Uh, obviously, uh, it's it's about playing your your favorite characters, uh, the ones that you have the biggest crushes on, um, because it has the it has the good characters like Kuja and Terra and all them. Uh, uh, Cloud of Darkness uh, is important. Um, I can't think of it. No, I, <laughs> there's like there's a lot of characters, but they added Yustola, which is nice. Uh, apparently, she's one of the the she's a top tier character. Uh, Yustola from Final Fantasy fourteen. Which is interesting, because you think they'd add the protagonist from Ophelia, but no. Eh. <laughs> um, it's got the, it's got the, obviously all the ones you'd expect, but they're like Cloud and Sephiroth. And, <laughs> all the ones that uh, someone cloud. much better versed than myself would expect. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay, you let me. Cloud and Sephiroth. I, <laughs> I have had to, I've had to face the fact. Okay, that it has Bart's and X death. Alright, fine. But I've had to face the fact that <laughs> thanks to just the sheer onslaught of time, I am now basically Olfay <clears throat> with a third of Final Fantasy at best. <laughs> Whatever. The important okay, thing I, is well, does it have thing. Alice Branglin? Who? She's from Fantasy Star. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it has, it's almost it has, like it has, I was it has, making it has, a joke there. <laughs> It has Bart's, and Bart's is a unique mechanic, because every character has a unique mechanic. Because, why not? Uh, Bart's mechanic is that his abilities come from various jobs from Final Fantasy V, and as you use them, they level up in a fight game. Oh, dear God. Yes. 
kind of like Bart plays like a MOBA. It's awesome. That sounds really That's cool. Sort of dovetails with like because you said 3D arena fighter, and I I can't stop thinking of Power Stone. Yes, Power Stone is very similar. Uh sorry, I was just putting some cards away on my desk, and you mentioned Power Stone and and Dissidia, and my brain misfired and thought you meant Thunderstone, and now I really want a Final Fantasy deck builder <laughs> using the hero classes from Final Fantasy V. I mean, there is a Final Fantasy card game. Yes. Different base, and also which suspiciously I, on sale. Someone should buy me. <laughs> uh, but seriously, well, but seriously. You, go, the um, listener, you heard it here first. <laughs> but seriously, um, Dissidia has a very, does something very interesting, and I'm not sure if it's on purpose or because I'm just not that good at playing them. But it really seems like to me that the the chaos characters, basically the villains, you know, your your Garland, your uh, Sephiroth, Cloud of Darkness, etc., Emperor of Magic, uh, they are a lot more complex to play well than the Order characters, the hero characters. Like a lot of the hero characters are extremely straightforward. Uh, you know, fly around, slash with a sword, use the use the the main attack to to finish them off. Gameplay it's very basic. Um, like Final Fantasy VIII's villainess, uh, Ultimacia, her entire gimmick in that is that she lays traps in Dissidia ah. instead of fighting normally like, like other magic users would. And then Kefka does, like, skill ceiling and status debuffs, as opposed to Therion, who his whole gimmick is that he has a bunch of weapons, cause it's Final Fantasy II. Who's, oh, two. So who the heck is Therion? <laughs> so just, uh, just checking out the uh, the internet, and it appears that no no one has already made a Kef Cat bus. <laughs> I will say that Dissidia NT has terrible bosses in its story mode mm-hmm. because they're basically like MMO boss fights, except you're one person and you have two AI teammates. Ah. And the like the the AOE indicators on the ground aren't accurate. So there's splash over. Fucking hell! They're not. It's not good. Yeah, look, I, I don't like MMO style boss fights at the best of times, but making them misleading as well—that's yeah, just a not dick good. move. It's really not good. Um, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter, but like the the first one that you can get, um, they they tell you in the tutorial that the the idea behind them is to use the Vanguard style characters, which are the ones with with really big melee weapons that do a lot of damage per hit. Uh, like like uh, Garland and uh, Squall characters like that, but the thing is, like uh, if you use a Vanguard character in one of the the the, the summon the summon fights for the boss fights, um, they stunt the the boss will stun easier, and you can actually do damage to them easier. Mm-hmm. And then if you use an assassin, it's a little bit harder. And if you use a marksman, which is what magic users are, uh, it's it takes a lot to stun them. But the first one you do, you don't get the choice to use a Vanguard character. Uh huh. So they train you to expect this mechanical tool set, then they take it well, away. No, they don't. They, no, no. They they tell you that the idea is like the idea behind these fights is to let you get a, to give you a chance to see how vanguards work, and then they don't uh. give you a vanguard to use. Wait, what? Uh. Oh, that sucks. They're 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 bad. They're really not good. <laughs> that definitely feels like a dropped bowl. Well, the. Like the the story mode isn't the like obviously this is arca- this was an arcade game the the whole focus is the multiplayer yeah, like yeah. it's uh but 
I would like to see where the story mode goes because there's some there, there is actually some interesting plot twists and also shipping happens, which is good. Man, I was just about to say, do they realize you don't actually need to put in a story mode? No one's gonna make you do it. Yeah, but it it it, it, do, it does it does have shipping in it, which is good. <laughs> that uh, that depends entirely on shipping with whom. Well, I mean, like it poly ships Terra. <laughs> like, Terra just just wants to be with everyone. Okay. <laughs> That's not the sound of a complaint, I don't think. Uh, it's the sound of vague confusion, but. <laughs> Um, there is a very clear ship between, uh, ship between, uh, Bart's cloud. What? They, I'm serious, they reminisce about all their time together. What? I'm serious, they, they, they clearly have a relationship. What time? Previous to City of Games. <laughs> oh, Bart's is a very good boy. Um, but one I last thing like I will say about the City of- possible cannons. One, one last thing I will say about the City of- is that um, the loot boxing is silly, obviously, but you can't buy them with real money, so I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine then. Um, I did manage to get the the the, the best taunt uh, phrase for any character, which of course I Garland will knock you all down because that's in the game. <laughs> also in the game is you damnable turtle from X Death. <laughs> And Bart saying, "Wow, a talking turtle!" <laughs> yeah, you could use a lot of uh, a lot oh, of good they're references. So good. They're so good. Uh, uh, anyways, that's me. So hey, uh, hey. yeah, um, I I, have, I haven't just been playing uh, uh, endless Gacha mobile games, because yeah. um, I have also been playing Battle Chef Brigade. Oh 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 oh. Oh, you've seen this? I am very familiar with Battleship Brigade. Yeah, uh, funny story. Um, it must be, like, what, 15 years ago now, Talon? Maybe more like 10. Anyway, we played a D&D game where one of our side adventures was, uh, Adamantium Chef. <clears throat> wherein we would undergo a time-limited cooking contest versus our very flamboyant rivals, but with a twist that we would need to go out and hunt exotic monsters <laughs> to beat our theme ingredients. Huh. Someone stole your game. <laughs> Coincidentally, this is exactly what you would be doing in Battle Chef Brigade, and it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> it it was a... I was a little bit worried because it's... A, it's a, nah, I'm not sneezing. <laughs> We're just gonna have everything in the edit this time. Just everything the edit Sorry, could be honey. about. <laughs> it's cool. Just getting this thing out the fucking yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna have all day to make it work. Uh, yeah. So I was a little worried because it's not like it's not a super cheap game. So I was like, if this does turn out to be disappointingly shitty, it's gonna be really disappointingly shitty. But uh, happily, it isn't. It's oh. very enjoyable. There, there are a lot of really fun characters there. Uh, the art is is just lovely. Um, I love the orc family. They are so good. I love <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, your dude protagonist is like just super nice orc dad guy. Oh, he's so good. Thrash. <laughs> so good. Thrash. <laughs> uh, yeah, and lots of interesting bit part characters and just super cute designs. Is produced by Adult Swim or I something? Think, I think so. 
think so. Uh, but it looks like most of the art came out of the studios that did like Avatar and Voltron and for stuff. For it's worth, Adult Just Swim. that really nice American anime inspired stuff. Yeah, and for it's worth, Adult Swim have been producing games now. Like they have a publishing house that's been going for like seven, eight years. They yeah yeah. yeah. Um, each, uh, let's see. The the cooking gameplay is like puzzle solving. Um. Uh, but instead of swapping, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's moving colored things around on a grid to make matches, but instead of swapping, you're rotating. You're stirring. Uh, and you're rotating clusters at once. So yeah, it's stirring and it, it's, I loved how much it felt like stirring. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I totally see what I'm doing here. Uh, and more than anything, I really liked when they gave me, you, you pick up items that you can take a few of into the tournament. Um, and at one point they introduced the slow cooker, <laughs> and you you know how you get those items that are, you, you just get a bunch of a certain color gems that you can drop in? Yep. And yep. I found myself starting fights by like, yeah, I'll throw one of those in the slow cooker and then go do stuff. Just like real just, cooking. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched a lot of Iron Chef, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I, I am Michiba, I am starting every battle with Broth of Vigor, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. It was just such a fun realization. Uh, I will say this, it so badly needs just a free play mode. Oh yeah. I, I immediately played it a second time after I finished it the first time and I was like, it, like surely it randoms a bunch of this stuff, right? It, nope, it's all scripted. No, not really. Yeah, so there, there really should little... just be like, random opponent, random judges, random theme ingredient, go do a thing. Yeah, that would actually be awesome. Endlessly, yes. I, I I would pay for a DLC that added that, I have to say. Online battle. <laughs> you can do that, but I, you know, I, I am not keen on playing against other people at the best of times, let alone when I'm not especially good at a game. And I'm not especially good at Battleship Brigade. <laughs> but it's still lots Fair. of fun. <laughs> because I got back on the horse of trying to uh, write about a, a game every week. Um, without necessarily treating it like a review, but more, this is what I find interesting that I can talk about using this game as my framework. Um, I wound up going on a bit of comparatively a bender. Um, so just to use my recent history on Steam and GOG that I can remember, I have played Rollers of the Realm, the Secret of Monkey Island Special Edition, Tower of Guns, Smashing the Battle, Assault Android Cactus, Broken Age Helldivers, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Shadwin, Sonic DX Adventure, The Director's Cut, Hyperlight no. Drifter, Speedrunners, Grim Fandango Remastered, Caves of Kud, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Disney Infinity 3.0, Fallout 4, Dishonored 2, Plain Sight, Cogs, Dragon Age, Oxen Free, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, Hotline Miami, Tangle Deep, Flint Hook, and I've been playing a lot of The Swindle lately. <laughs> da, 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 da. Also, Gex. Good. <laughs> Gex isn't as bad as everyone says it is. Gex the is really Gex solid. That actually, looks kind of cool. Or the three D Gex that actually looks kind of lame. The the two D Gex the where 2D the sprites sprite haven't quite mastered transparency, so they've just got that yes. slightly bulbous look. <laughs> That's my Gex. That nothing, nothing but faith in my Gex. <laughs> Honest to God, like it is a it is a solid it is a solid little mascot platformer that doesn't like so so like we we bag on Sonic the Hedgehog all the time because it's easy and it's fun. 
If and that's the funny. first thing that I was going to keep... do after you mentioned what you've been playing was apologize for Sonic Adventure DX. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. But um, Gex as a mascot platformer does something that most of the others, like mascot platformers, almost all had like a chronic lack of personality. Now Sonic is now Gex well... is a. No, they, they all basically were like, well, let's do Sonic, but a T-Rex. Let's do Sonic, but a bear. Let's do Sonic, but a bub- bobcat. They well, almost what I was going to say was of... a chronic lack of unique personality. They all had way too yeah. much personality, and it was Sonic's personality. Gex is... I, I would I would actually hold up the original Gex as almost like a high watermark in this genre, because Gex came after the others, so it was following the lead, but... It made a character who had their own thing going on. It was an interesting thing. And they didn't design the game to try and do stuff it couldn't do. Like, Sonic Adventure specifically is a good example of this, where they wanted to go, all right, let's make Sonic go fast like he does in the 2D games in 3D. The The nature of Gex is one where they knew that they couldn't do lots of fast scrolling, they knew they couldn't do, like, really advanced controller tricks, so they just made this kind of forgiving, slightly spongy uh, uh, platformer <laughs> where your character can climb walls and explore around, and they didn't make the levels massive because they didn't have the, the room for that, but broadly speaking, Gex is... Like, you could almost criticize Gex for being not ambitious enough, but in an era of people making cringy mascot platformers because they were trying too hard, Gex tried exactly enough to be Gex, and I think that that's worth <laughs> respect. <laughs> and Ge- Gex is the ultimate you-do-you again. Yeah, and, and also Gex as a character, like, his, his whole shtick being that, you know, he quotes a lot of movies, like, that's actually kind of endearing in its own way. Like, it's a personality. I, yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> there is actually something actually, there rather than just attitude. Radicals. Uh, I, I like, I like Gex. I like that Gex is this dork. Yeah, and the story doesn't pretend otherwise. Um, also on that list, uh, Plain Sight doesn't work anymore. If you download and install Plain Sight on Steam, it just won't run. What's Plain? Oh. oh, it's a game. It's an old indie game, and only like eight, ten years old. Um, also, uh, Tangle Deep, which launched, I think, two weeks ago, is this really, really pretty roguelike uh, ruin explorer fantasy game, uh, mystery dungeon style step-based movement, sorry, a step-based time. Uh, it's really pretty, and one of the classes you can start with is a Floromancer, and all the characters are, like, bursting with personality, and the music's really nice, so... I don't know if I'm, like, going to be able to be, like, Tangle Deep expert, but if you're wondering if Tangle Deep is worth checking out, I think it is. Hmm. Neat. So, yeah, there's there, there's a, a, a brief dive into what you might be seeing on my blog later. So what did you think of Oxenfree? I thought I got five minutes into it and I had to go, but uh-huh. I'm definitely coming back to it. <laughs> like, it, it has a good leading five minutes. I think the opening oh, yeah. line of dialogue is, like, really, okay, I'm paying attention now. So that's like a good also, early bail. Uh, you know, it, it was actually not even a bail. It was a it was a uh, early. Uh, I got pulled away kind of thing. I mean, oh, like, okay, yeah. Caves of Could is also in in a similar space in that 
I, I, I opened it up, I booted it up, I looked at the sheer boggling scale of it, and I went, okay, I'm going to have to come back to this when I've got, like, a, a ramp of information to come at it with. Because that's how I prefer to face that kind of game. I'm not mm-hmm. one of your muddle arounds. I really get embarrassed by myself if I try that. <laughs> right. Especially with a game with so much stuff. So much much to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can identify with that. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a lot of much to Caves of Cud. Yeah, there's a similar thing with Hyperlight Drifter where I kind of figure I need to I need to have like you know six hour stretches of nothing to do, uh, focus on the controller, play Hyperlight Drifter kind of thing because that that is a game that's, whoo, it's not very forgiving. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's it's a game about death as written by someone with a terminal condition. Yeah, it's not super forgiving. <laughs> anyway, Fox, you had one more. You got I one have more? one more. Who's heard of Dandara? I. Wait, this is a really silly answer because I heard of it because I saw you playing it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's my fault. I guess I did not specify. <laughs> yeah, this I've never is, heard of it. <laughs> uh, Tell me about it. is a... I guess you would call it a needle game? It It's a Metroidvania where your movement is jumping. And I mean all your movement is jumping. You can't walk. Mm. Uh, you are flinging huh. your character at different surfaces. Uh, I, I picked this up in the first place because it looked gorgeous. It's got a retro, uh, pixel art aesthetic. And a woman of color as a main character, which is, like, when does that ever fucking happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was enough to get me interested. Uh, plus, it's a very affordable indie game, so it's in that category of like, yeah, why the fuck don't try it? Just go for it. Um, uh, and I'm not disappointed, except that I'm really not good at it. <laughs> it's hard. And it is exactly the kind of hard that is especially hard for me. Um, the So the combat is shooting-based. Uh, and, and it's based on, like, holding down a, a weapon button and then targeting with the analog stick from your position because, of course, you can't move. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm incredibly bad at doing that quickly. And I'm not super great at aiming right in the first place. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I have struggled with it. But I'm getting there. And it does have a leveling up mechanic which in no way has stopped me from finding every new area incredibly difficult. Um, it, it it really is good, though. And it is uh, somber and quiet and beautiful and uh, weirdly evocative and features a whole bunch of references to famous artworks and stuff in its, in its character design. So everyone is like these weird mutanty things. Huh. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's really interesting and really good. Uh, it's really interesting and definitely worth having a look at if you'd like that kind of platform puzzle platformer stuff. Puzzle platformer, that's what you'd call it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you don't mind it being super hard. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's like Celeste. Yeah, the the idea that it's super meat boy but not uh not moist is kind of very appealing to me about Celeste. Uh yeah, yeah. And that that is about the sum of what I've been playing. Except for stuff that I tried to talk about on previous podcasts that uh never ne- never made it out of the uh larval stage. S- starting gates. Something like that. 
so suffice to say, you know, on the celestial elephants, pretty good. Have a look. Super, super cute. Really interesting philosophical conversations with NPCs who shouldn't, who have no real reason to say anything interesting except they really do. And it is surprisingly great. Uh, and, uh, New Style Boutique 3, the fourth New Style Boutique game. Uh, not, not the fourth new as an adjective style boutique game, but New Style Boutique, the fourth game in the series. Labeled number three. I think it's a really good fashion game, but it's real good. <laughs> All right then. So I just a just a glimpse into how retro gaming news gets made. Uh, I spend the time when we are doing the what you're playing to double check what what these two knuckleheads and myself are talking about, and I pull up related links. And I, I use Wikipedia for it. I use it because it's great at being interconnected sources or whatnot. And bereft of a theme, what I usually do is I try and. Uh, you know, jump back a specific number of years. Usually it's five or ten. And I just want to say, I think that we've landed in a cursed year. All right? I already apologized for Sonic Adventure DX. Okay, so <laughs> 2013, right? Uh, like, February, February, February 2013 only really had the, uh, the reveal of the PS4, and game-wise, there wasn't anything that will really stand out uh, that wasn't a re-release, or or in some way a, a like it was it was an amazingly empty month. Like you know, the most notable thing was the re-re-release of Brutal Legend on Windows. Um, so not not a not a particularly auspicious year. And then you jump back. What? Sorry, I'm just letting that sink in for a minute. <laughs> Wowie! Look how uh, far we've come. Ooh. But then I jumped back um, to. Uh, then I tried to jump back 15 years to 2003, in which case, somehow, by dint of going in February and not in January, we managed to miss the release of Tenchu and the release of Jazz Jackrabbit on the GBA. Wow. So, <laughs> we, we landed between those, all right? And then I thought, okay, let's go back 10 years, and I grabbed 2008. And 2008 has the announcement of Diablo 3... Which is kind of cool. Wow! And some because that announcement yeah. went over well. Yeah, uh, the announcement of Zebo does d- does that ring a bell to either of you two? Do you have a cricket chirping sound effect in your library? Um, so uh, Zebo is a three G enabled entertainment and education system from Zebo Inc. It's a it's a console, right? Um, and it was supposedly made educational to- console. It was supposedly made to be a console for developing countries because it included 3G in it, which was, like, a good way for them to get internet right. access. Right, Yeah. I've never heard of this thing. I only vaguely recall um, It got discontinued that, like, in 2011. Um, but also, there's just some genuinely you know, really depressing news events and, and games history from 2008, particularly involving a murder-suicide. What? Jesus, yeah. how dark do you uh, want to go here, Talon? Yeah, that, that's the thing. I'm, I'm veering away from that. And then I was like, okay, fine. We'll go 1998. 1998 was a great year. 1998 was a year full of amazing games. It's also the year where Bill Williams, the creator of Alley Cat, the old 8-bit video game, uh, passed away from cystic fibrosis, and the year Danielle Button Berry passed away of lung cancer. So, you know, ha 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 ha, video games. <laughs> that's Bill Williams, done. I know his name, but I don't think it's from Alley Cat. Um, Bill Williams, I, 
If you do not know Bill Williams from Alley Cat, you are less likely to know him from his other games, which include Necromancer and Mindwalker. But we are talking some Amiga-level, really important video games. Alley Cat was a minigame collection on the Amiga. Yeah. It was really good. Spectrum? Hmm. Maybe he's come up on the podcast before. Maybe that's where I know him from. Probably. Probably. But... In all this, I was like, Alley Cat find... was like Alley Cat was like basically the first mini game collection game. Yeah, and it had a nice, interesting theme connecting it all together. Yeah, uh, cats. But I do, oh, yes, however, Mario. have <laughs> yes, Mario, the original I Mario, do, a cat. I do, however, have one kind of funny, cool thing that happened in 1998 that I'd like to share. Yes, please. <laughs> about... That sounds great. Let's <laughs> have a funny, cool thing. <laughs> because it's about a rich person losing their shirt. Um, who remembers Midway Games? I do. Vaguely. Okay, so Midway Games are notable for, amongst other things, Spy Hunter, Rampage, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, Cruisin', Rampage, and Mortal Kombat. And a lot of pinball machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, ah, they were founded in the- pinball machines is where I know them from. Yeah, they, they made some of the original um, Defender, Joust, Robotron 2084, <laughs> Gauntlet, and Rush stand-up cabinets. Yep. Uh, they they used to make carnival games. Hence the midway part. Yeah, and they were also responsible for the first transportable Space Invader cabinets, which was a big thing. Like, it meant that it was basically how arcade cabinets got started. Midway is a carnival too? Yeah, that's where you play all the games. Yeah, Midway through the carnival, I guess. <laughs> I, it's the thing Tal, in the middle, you talk it's, about it's, this as if you've heard it. I said, I guess. <laughs> it's the the midway. The midway is literally it's the it's the place you walk in the middle of the carnival that has all the games you play. Hmm. That is catchier than calling it like corridor or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mid- Midway is a company that started in 1958 and had manufacturing plants that made like wooden cabinets and stand-up electronics and all sorts of like robust stuff um, and. Hmm. Uh, basically, uh, they were a, they were a fairly decently sized company, and one rich person, uh, who was at the time the head of Viacom, thought that Midway, Midway was a solid thing to sink his personal funds into. Not business funds, but his personal money into. He went from, he went from owning 15% of the stock in Midway in 1998, which is our first instance of this, you know, this is why this showed up on my radar twice, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, but, he had 15% of the stock in 1998. By 2007, he had 87% of the stock of Midway. I mean, you know, but, that's but cool. Wait, that's his prerogative. But wait, but wait, Talon, I don't think Midway's around anymore, are they? In 2008, he sold all his stock for $100,000 to a private investor who is unknown with the little asterisk on that stock of you are now responsible for 70 million dollars of unsecured midway debt yeah (laughs) and that investor who now had 87 percent of the company immediately filed for bankruptcy (laughs) you don't say (laughs) i didn't realize the shares work that way uh you you can you can basically he sold them for point oh oh one seven cents on the dollar. Basically, a pri- he, he went to a private investor with all of his stock and said, "When our next 
like announcement goes out, this stock is going to be worth even less. Would you like to buy it for a hundred thousand dollars? Would you like to buy most of a video game company for a hundred thousand dollars? No, I realize the stock works that way. It's being responsible for the debt that I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, the company basically was carrying a truly ridiculous quantity of debt. Uh, its its net income in 2008 was minus $191 million. Jesus. How were they doing so badly? What went wrong? What were they doing in, 19, in 2008? All they were doing was maintaining up, maintaining pinball machines, basically. Yeah. And uh, if, you're a, if you're a fan of the Mortal Kombat franchise, which they were riding quite hard at that point, 1998 to 2008 was definitely not the golden era of that particular game franchise. No. <laughs> so, it really was just as bad as they didn't do anything especially wrong, just people didn't want their stuff? People weren't buying their stuff and they kept, uh, they, they kept overvaluing the company. Yep. Oh, okay, that it turns explains out, it. And it turns out when there's someone who owns, who, who's the head of a broadcasting company, is involved in owning stock personally, you you get a you get a, a, a real awkward position going on there. Uh, yeah, this this company lasted from 1958 to 1988, uh, and then reincorporated in 1988, and then it lasted until 2008. So it had that, that sequence of eights, and I'm just like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Is there a story here? Oh my goodness, there's a story here. <laughs> it, it represents one of the most startling, um, uh, undervalued, well, startling losses of value and a share for a company that still technically existed. Uh, <laughs> all the parts were sold to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers got the license for Mortal Kombat, and they then sold it to NetherRealm, and that's where all those, uh, Mortal Kombat games have come from since. Apparently, sure, the sure. most recent one was good. Yeah, I, I heard. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the PC ports are garbage, but that's a shame. <laughs> I've heard they're pretty good at being Mortal Kombat games, which is really all you should ask from a Mortal Kombat game. It's just like Gex, Mortal Kombat and Gex are basically the same thing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> basically the same thing. Gex had better mocap, though. <laughs> I think I'm naming this episode "Mortal Kombat and Gex" are basically the same thing. <laughs> And, and, uh, just one final point of trivia while we were, you know, back in 1998, that was the release of Gex. Enter the Gecko. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it all makes sense now. It's all connected. Everything's, everything's falling into place. Now, uh, which, which Gex is that? Is that the first? That was, that's or? the first Gex. That is the first. No, no, no. Gex, Gex, Enter the Gecko was also known as Gex 2. Gex 3D, oh. Gex 3D Enter the Gecko, Gecko, Return of the Gecko, Gex 64 Enter the Gecko, or, in Japan, Spin Tail. <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, so, is is that the one where he tries to fuck a human lady? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Gex, but the one I have seen is the 3D one, where uh, the, the hilarious ending is sleezing onto a human woman that he rescues. And, and it is not good sleezing. If there is such a thing as good sleezing, this was not it. Well, we're not going to top that. I, 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 I aren't we? We're not going to top that. I mean, no. we could talk I, about how certain higher quality mascot platformers would never ever have their wacky attitude-based animal star hitting on human girls, because that would just be silly. 
I mean, right. I have. I'm glad that's all. never happened. I'm glad that's never happened. <laughs> Me too. I, what I a terrible world that would be. Because, because here's the thing. Guess who published Gex? Midway. Midway. <laughs> it's all connected. All of it's it. all oh connected. Oh my god! It's geckos all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> my god! It's full of geckos. <laughs> So I, I almost wish it, I had said turtles all the way down, because then we could have said, wow, a talking turtle. turtle. <laughs> you, you damnable turtle. The Nintendo 64 version of Gex Enter the Gecko featured new levels, but also removed levels because of discomfort in design and quote-unquote for storage limitations. The episodes in question, the episodes were Poltergex. Oh, no. Oh no! La- They're Lama here. Gabadoo. The Texas Chainsaw Manicure. Ah yes, <laughs> that's where I got that joke. Mazed and confused. Wow! Wow! Uranus. And I got the reruns. <laughs> Thank you, Gex. But. They did get uh, an yeah, exclusive level. Day exists. They did get an exclusive level for the N64 release. Uh-huh. It is called. Sorry, it, it is centered on the RMS Titanic and is played almost entirely underwater. Oh no! And it is called oh, Gex no. Cousteau. Speaking of bad French. <laughs> <laughs> I love this weird little idiot of a franchise. <laughs> Keep doing what, you, Gex. What a beautiful yeah. you. circle we have drawn. <laughs> oh, I've missed doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, the, the hot woman on the cover, Gex, that's Gex 3 Deep Cover Gecko. Yeah, that's the one. Because <laughs> the only thing better than James Bond being a total creep would be putting that in kids' game, right? <laughs> oh, right, he's then. a literal lizard. <laughs> Yay. So, <clears throat> you know, in, so in my dreams... This turned into the Gex episode. <laughs> this is totally the Gex episode. We're going to dive deep on Gex. In my dreams, I like to imagine that Talon knew about this French thing before he, he decided on the intro. So he's deliberately brought us in this lovely circle. Uh, and, and, of course, the true podcast is the friends we made along the way. The en français we made along the way. <laughs> no! 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 <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, no. Così che era il nostro podcast, come sempre che era Jeb. Oh, God. <laughs> not. No, I'm not. I'm not. Ugh. So, anyway, thank you for listening to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Uh, you like to thank you all for listening, and of course, thank our patrons. Uh, if you'd like to support us and. Hopefully help us make more of these come out in a reasonable time. You can always support us at... Patreon.com, the website. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, saved it. We got there. <laughs> Nailed it. Got there. Got there. This, this, this is the time we finally get an unlaggy record. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you pay for, people. Yep. Quality. Sweet, sweet Patreon bucks. In the listener's defense, I don't think anyone ever paid for Talon to speak 
and I hope I pronounce those inverted commas adequately, French. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're done. Bye. Well, well, well that's been Fox. <laughs> yeah, Talon, you ruined the outro, Talon. What's wrong with you, Talon? <laughs> I did an outro in Italian, and apparently that wasn't good enough. Oh, so that, that one was, was Italian. Italian? I thought you were doing that Spanish. Was <laughs> oh my god, boy! Oh. You know, you know, there's a, you know, there's a button on Google Translate you can push to hear the the pronunciation, right, Talon? You know that, right, Talon? Talon, you know that. You can press the button, Talon. And I was Jeb. And I was Jeb. I was Jeb all along. And I was Jeb. <laughs> Okay, you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, three, two, one, sink. Sink. Again. Again. <laughs> okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> that was a work of fucking art. <laughs>